0: Pissing
1: like a camel. So hello chaps, welcome to another week of Fresh on the Heels, joined as ever by Quinn and Jay. How are we doing chaps? Oh, good man. Yeah, good. Thank you. (laughs) Good to hear it. Lovely to have you back for episode four. Shout out to Connor McEwen as well from Mayoto Band for doing the jingle for this show. And yeah, we're into to week four, another eventful week in the world of wrestling.
2: Yeah, it was that?
1: Plenty to talk about. just want to touch on some of the stuff we spoke about last week. We did have a few people get in touch when we were speaking about video games. Uh, a chap called Daniel Lupton got in touch on Twitter at Fresh on the Heels to tell us uh, his opinions on, on video games. So he says, SmackDown 2, know your role, is the best game in wrestling, unequivocally. I think, was it UJ who said that last week? Possibly uh, not. Was, was no mercy. I think Mark went with uh, this one, yeah. Yeah, okay. I went with SmackDown. Yeah, so SmackDown 2, know your role, for it. due to its roster, it is it's the explanation that, that Daniel gave us. He said that the worst WWE game is WWE 2K20, just for the amount of glitches that it has. But he says the worst ever wrestling game is a game called WCW Backstage Assault. Uh, It's not one that I'd ever heard of, but he kindly linked us to a YouTube video of some footage of this game being played and it looked absolutely (laughs) terrible.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think I remember my cousins having that um, again before there was the SmackDown game and sort of uh, the the first wrestling game that we could play. And I, I I remember it being as bad as that little video that we were sent. Yeah,
1: massively. What we'll do is we'll we'll put that on the social channels as well. So if you want to watch a, a badly drawn Sting beat the crap out of Medusa with the weapons for ten minutes, it's it's a good little watch. So thanks for that, Daniel. And yeah, No Mercy got a lot of blood, Jay. I think I spoke to a few people who said that that was their fondest wrestling game as well. So yeah, good good stuff. Thanks for getting in touch with us, guys. Okay, so we're going to start this week with the big announcements that were made on NXT. There was the William Regal announcements at the top of the show. Firstly, confirming that there's going to be a two-night takeover called Stand and Deliver i going to come over to you first, Jay, for this one. How do you feel about this snooze with regards to a two-night takeover for NXT?
0: Yeah, I'm okay with it. I think it, it kind of makes sense because um, rather than just doing NXT the night before and then going straight into a takeover, I think two nights makes, makes more sense. So then you can have a two two-hour shows. And it's also giving NXT that spotlight that we're our standalone. This is our WrestleMania. Um, and they're probably going to do a better job than the main roster. So that takeover as well is the start of a, like eight-day solid stretch of wrestling, which is uh, going to be time-consuming, but it should be good.
1: Yeah, so I was trying to wrap my head around this. So it was going to be a case of we were going to have your standard Friday night SmackDown, your takeover on Saturday. Was Mania going to go Sunday and Monday this year? No,
0: so I've, I've got it written down. So it's, it's the 7th, uh, which is the Tuesday. No, sorry, the... The Wednesday, sorry, Wednesday the seventh of April, will be takeover the first night, and then it'll be Wednesday, Thursday takeover, Friday SmackDown, Saturday, Sunday Mania, Monday Raw, Tuesday NXT, Wednesday AEW.
1: Jesus, yeah. So that is some week of wrestling, isn't it? There's going to be quite a lot of quite a lot of good things that NXT can do with having the two nights. I sometimes worry a little bit when when they go over to two nights. I know that I spoke to you Quinn about this separately. You think it's purely down to the fact that the arenas are empty or at limited capacity for now? You think that this won't be a trend that continues?
2: No, I don't think so. I think when they announced the WrestleMania for the next couple of years, the impression I got was that they were going to be filtering fans back into the stadiums. So uh, two nights makes sense to to sell it out, as it were. And then I'm, I believe uh, the Manias for Dallas is it next year, and then LA the year after. Um, are only scheduled for one day, so I do think it's just while they're filtering fans back into stadiums.
0: Yeah, I don't think. Uh, I don't think it'll be permanent, like you say, but I don't think it'd be the worst thing because WrestleMania over the past few years, you're looking at like eight hours of. And imagine being sat there for eight hours; it can be tiring, and you want the crowd to stay fresh. So I'm, I'm not opposed to two night thing to be honest, because look at like uh, Wrestle Kingdom; they do it over two nights, and so I think it. I think it'd be a good thing to keep. I don't think they will.
1: Wrestle
2: Kingdom. Shout out to New Japan. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's an interesting point you bring up, Jay. I, I was thinking about this. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate that some of the companies have always done, I think even like the King of Trios that Shikari used to do was over three nights and things like that. So I've, I've got no nothing wrong with, with that format. I just feel like if that creeps into WWE on the long term, I don't know if I'd prefer to watch, you know, a seven, eight hour mania that's a little bit of a slog or, or two days of it where they're trying to fill it with stuff that's maybe not always there. I think we look at this year, for example, I don't even know if they've got enough to fill one night of Mania to make it you know, compelling. Uh, I don't think NXT will have that problem. I think it'll, like you say, it'll be two, two hour shows, if anything, and I think what they could do in four hours is going to be special. Uh, but yeah, I think I'd like to make sure that, or I'd like to think, should I say, that the two night trend is, is purely due to the current circumstances and not maybe a, a long-term thing. Okay, so announcement number two then. Uh, straight on the back of the standard deliver from Regal, uh, I'm going to come over to you, Quinn, for this. It was the all of the women from the NXT roster on the stage. Uh, Regal announced that as the winners of the Dusty Classic, the first ever Women's Dusty Classic, he invited Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez to the ring. Uh, they did, were yeah. they were unveiled as the new first ever NXT Women's Tag Team Champions.
2: Yeah, I think we saw it coming, didn't we? I think we maybe discussed that that was. Something that might have been announced, we were both, I think, we were uh, conflicted as to whether or not it was the right decision. If there's enough women on the roster to warrant a second set of women's tag titles, but yeah, I think after uh, what we've noticed with NXT's women's division not getting that much attention from those particular tag titles, I think it was the right thing going forward personally. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love Dakota Kai. Any screen time of her, that's fine by me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to that later because that that might be diminishing slightly. But they were nice-looking belts, weren't they, Jay? I know you're a fan of a, of a title belt. What did you make of these women's tag titles?
0: Yeah, I do like how they look. I think they're better than the main roster's ones as well. I'm a bit opposed at first to them having women's tag team titles on NXT, but at the same time, I'm okay with it. It's them standing on their own. They don't need Warren SmackDown, and they're probably going to make those two shows look bad as well because... The talent might be; they might not have as much talent as in depth, but the the work they're putting on is better than the main roster at the moment. So, yeah, I agree. But I do; I don't really see the. I don't know why they didn't just think the winners get the title straight away. I don't know why they had to wait three weeks and do this whole palaver of Adam Pierce getting involved. I don't know why they just didn't do it straight
1: away. But no. it's an interesting but, point you bring up. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's maybe uh, you know a change in in decision-making uh, on the fly. Because, yeah, I think if you unveil those belts the night after the Dusty Classic to Kai and Gonzalez, then that makes sense. I'm not too sure about this whole having uh, Naya and Shayna come down to NXT, get a, a really uh, dodgy finish in their match to then give them the belts the week after. Do, do you think, Quinn, maybe that's from uh, a change in, in decisions
2: I do. I I completely agree with you. I, I think it was a really strange dis, uh, decision process in terms of, um, obviously, them getting that title shot for winning the Dusty Classic. That made a lot of sense. As we know, in WWE especially, finishes are forever changing. So I am wondering if they've kind of thought, we don't want to take these titles off Baszler and Jax for whatever reason. And yeah, they've just maybe, the powers that be have thought, maybe it's deserving for NXT to have their own set.
1: Definitely. Maybe, maybe a fitting finish to a dusty classic, having a dusty finish in the women's tag fight. We're going to go on to NXT and the night itself in a little bit more detail, mainly on the back of these two announcements that were made. So, Jay, first and foremost, I'm going to talk to you about the women's tag team title match that happened that night. We had the new champions, the first ever champions defend immediately against Ember Moon and black Blackheart and new champions straight off the bat, what did you make of this?
0: Um, yeah, it was a bit weird um, but I'm not opposed to it. It was, it was weird that that title match was in the middle of the show, it wasn't at the start or the end. I think they opened the show with the um, women's title match and then finished the show with the NXT title match but well, it was a good match it was better than the Dusty Rhodes classic final that they had, I think. Maybe give them a bit more time but yeah, it was, I don't mind them dropping because I think it's obvious where they go in with uh, Ricard Gonzalez. I think, obviously, she's going to challenge EO next. So I think that's why they had to drop the title so, so soon and um, to Shotzi and Ember.
1: Yeah, which I'm calling Moonshot for the time being. It's a working title <laughs> of a tag team. But yeah, Moonshot have got the titles, So yeah, I agree. It was a great match. I think it was a little bit annoying, the finish at first. But as the night progressed, I think it was only maybe... 20, 30 minutes after the finish of this match that you had this moment backstage with EO approaching Raquel Gonzalez, which I thought was really cool as well because you don't see this very often, Quinn, in modern day wrestling where the champion will actually seek out a challenger. It's it's normally the other way around where they're being interrupted or attacked from behind. So for for EO to recognise Raquel Gonzalez as the next in line, I thought that was a pretty cool moment. What did you make of that?
2: exactly and I think I think I could have put it better myself and I think you're right there's not it's always the challenger it's never the champion themselves going to look for that challenge I think what we've seen from eO over the past few months is she there isn't anyone else for her to, or to challenge her that's sort of worthy of, of putting on the matches that she does but yeah I think for her going looking for the big bads which is raquel Gonzalez yeah I think it shows eO's worth and and I think it'll be a good little feud
1: Definitely, and on to the two-night pay-per-view that's coming up then, Stand and Deliver. It's going to leave a lot of time for some great stories to be told. We saw the return of Kyle O'Reilly on on this NXT. It was in the main event between Balor and Cole for the title. Good match again between these two, as always. I I genuinely thought for a split second that Cole was going to win the title back after he'd, he'd hit the Panama Sunrise off the top. Jay, where do we see this storyline going? Because there was a little bit towards the end of this match as well that hinted towards who might be next for Finn.
0: Yeah, so I think we're building to Cole and O'Reilly at TakeOver, aren't we? And then Balor and Karrion Cross. I think they might go to TakeOver and let O'Reilly get the win. And then, unfortunately, I can see Cole probably debut on a Raw the next the next uh, week. And then, yeah, Cross is going to challenge Balor, which I'm not that Thrilled about, but I mean, it was inevitable because Cross never technically lost the title. But I did like the ending where, you know, Balor was stood in the ring of his title and then it zoomed up in his face and he's saying, oh, um, you took your time or I've been waiting for you, or something like that. And then it pans out and Cross is stood there kind of thing, which is, again, something you couldn't do with a live audience.
1: Yeah, that was cool. I think, again, it was a night where the, the two main champions, Io and Finn, didn't come across looking like they were anything but the, the top of the cards. I think, as I say, you know, he yeah, is seeking out her next challenger and then Finn just having the, the wherewithal to say, you know, what took you so long or I've been expecting you or whatever the line was. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, I know you're not uh, overly keen on, on carrying cross yourself. And, and Quinn, you have some doubts about him as well. But do, do we think that he maybe beats Finn at
2: stand, and stand or deliver, whichever night that's on? Um, I, I think so, yeah. I think he will. I think he'll take it back. I think the powers of BC cross is a really big start. And, and it's not to say that he isn't talented in the ring, because he is. And he, and he fits the bill in terms of what WWE look for as that sort of top star. He's, he's, he comes across, obviously, as a bit of a heel, but at the same time, he doesn't. Um, very over heel, I think. Yeah, I think he's definitely, I think he'll take the win, yeah.
1: Elsewhere on NXT, Pete Dunne made short work of Jake Atlas, and he issued an open challenge to anyone who thinks that they're tough enough to take him on. This got me quite excited. I know that we've spoken in the WhatsApp group about potential dream opponents. I'm going to come to you first, Jay. Who would you most like to see answer the challenge from Pete Dunn on this one for Stand and Deliver?
0: Yeah, so because he, I think he used the word, you know, how he's the best technical wrestler. So I think he wants, I think there's, there's got to be something in that um, you'd imagine. So I, I'd love to see Daniel Bryan would be fucking great. You know, if he ends up finding himself at loose end at Mania, then, and he seems to have a little bit of pull these days, so maybe he will be like, put me on an NXT. I'll, I'll just have a match. You know, it could be a throwaway, but it'll still be a good match. Same could be said for Cesaro. I'd watch that. But my my ultimate dream, which I said to you two, would be William Regal just rips off his suit, got his singlet on, ready to go. N-
2: Dust, uh, Knuckle Duster sat in his crotch, ready.
0: Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, that would be a great match. I think he might just be a few years too late for that one.
1: You know, yeah, do you know what? Any one of those three would be incredible. I think I'd lose my mind if it was uh, Big Willie Regal. That would be incredible. What about you, Quinn? Who, who would you like to answer the call? Because I hadn't really considered the, the technical wrestling uh, comment that he'd made, uh, but who do you think it might be or who would you
2: like it to be? I think very similar to Jamie. I think especially with the announcement of Stand and Deliver, um, you can take Daniel Bryan into that takeover and it not affect whatever they've got planned for him. At uh, WrestleMania, it could be like you said a throwaway. You've seen it before with Cesaro on Takeover UK, uh, Kevin Owens turn up at War Games. You know it's easily done. So I think Daniel Bryan is a is a must for me. But yeah, there's there's so many people out there. Drew, Drew Gulak I think would I'd, probably not as big a name, but I think it'd be an incredible match. But maybe somebody back from UK. So. Um,
1: yeah, so that's what I was thinking. Maybe Tyler Bate could be the the one who's potentially going to answer that call because those two had that incredible feud. Oh yeah, so back, good back for the UK title. And I've not yeah. seen a lot of, of Bate in a little while. Is he is he still around? Is it is it purely pandemic related that he hasn't been on TV much? I, I don't tend to catch a lot of the NXT UK stuff. You see, so I've not seen a, a whole lot of Bate recently.
0: Yeah, I caught up on, on UK yesterday. Actually, I watched the episode and he was on there. He, he had um. He had a match with Dave Mastiff, the Heritage Cup real match with Big Dave Mastiff, and he won that. They're, do, they're building up, they keep doing vignettes. The first time in about a while I've watched a whole episode of UK, and they, they put a lot of work into the vignettes and the promos and stuff, and it's quite good. And they're, they're building um, Trent Seven, trying to get into 205, live Territory, because you want to be Cruiserweight champion.
1: Yeah, the the small bit of NXT UK I have seen recently was, was centred around that, and I, I couldn't it, I think I had it half on, sort of half watching it one day, and, and this uh, Trent promo comes on, and I'm thinking he's never going to get to 205. And then you see these videos of him like benching, like you know, incredibly looking, looking rips and everything, looking real jack, baby, as Booker T would say. <laughs> and it'd be so cool if they could get that through. I, I know that again, coming on to NXT, Devlin's probably got other things lined up, and I certainly wouldn't be looking to take the title off him uh, prior to. Meeting up with Escobar, but yeah, if, if Trent Seven can can get into that match uh, legitimately uh, as that weight class, that'd be that'd be an interesting story. So yeah, lots to talk about on NXT, and I think it was it was again just a really solid show from from start to finish as well. Did you, boys, have any other thoughts on on the show in general? It's just a good
0: full rounded show, and then they, they continue stories; they don't just drop them all of a sudden like the the Lee angle with Katanzaro. Caden Carter's still going. Yeah, it's just from top to bottom, it's just good. It's just the best show we tweak.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really loved the presentation at the beginning of the show as well. After all, the women had been out for the tag team title announcement. They all stayed on the ramp for Io Shirai and Tony Storm's entrance. And it felt like a little bit of a guard of honour for, for that match just to transition straight into. And I thought that ri- really worked well for, for the product. And, and they do th- things like that so well. The intention to detail, it's just, it's so on point every week boys 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 i have an interesting question to ask you both this is on the back of our launch on instagram last week you can follow us on there at fresh on the heels we've put up little pictures of ourselves with a little bit of info as to you know first wrestling memories and little pictures of us with wrestling paraphernalia of which i think jay probably Trumps us both there, Quinn.
2: (laughs) Massively so, yeah. He's the sex appeal of the group, obviously. Indeed.
1: (laughs) What we'd like to do to the listeners, to you guys, is to get to know us a little bit better each passing week. And one thing that always gets asked in the world of wrestling fandom is who would be on your Mount Rushmore? So what I'd like to do over the next four weeks is if we can all bring to the episode a wrestler to make it onto Mount Rushmore. These can be past or present. These can be male or female. They don't have to have been in the WWE specifically. They can have wrestled anywhere at any time. And they don't necessarily have to be the best wrestler ever. They just have to be someone who makes it into your top four all time with a little twist. So once they've been used up by one of the other two people on the show, they can't be used in your Mount Rushmore. So you've got to really think about it. You've got to come to me with your absolute favourite. There's no particular order to this, but just remember if you don't bring someone up in this first week, they might get taken by one of the other two guys the following week. So it's a toughie. I know it's it's quite a big thing to decide, but I'm going to come to you first, Quinn. Who this week are you going to induct into your Mount Rushmore of professional
2: wrestling? Okay, so uh, a lot of thought, uh, but my number, like my first one, is very easy. I've no doubt in my mind that this wasn't going to be the first guy I chose and uh, it's Chris Jericho. Mm. Uh, Definitely, definitely Chris Jericho. I think from the moment he debuted on Raw, that promo, his over-the-top heel, but yet such a face in so many ways, like how over he was. He's the leading uh, intercontinental champion with the most reigns and I think I don't think AEW would be where it's at today or where it's been over the last couple of years without Chris Jericho. I just think the things he's done and he's, what, 30 years in the business, he may have lost his step in a little bit and his matches might not be as exciting as they once were, but I don't think my Mark Rushmore would be complete without Chris Jericho.
1: Interesting. Okay, so first on the board for you. It is in no particular order, but it's good to know that he's he's the first name on there for you. Chris Jericho, why too, Jack? I can't really argue with that. you know. I think he's synonymous with probably three different periods now of, of professional wrestling throughout me watching it. Uh, he's had some fantastic matches as well, and, and he's been able to always evolve his character. Uh, Jay, uh, not to give away yours just yet, but thoughts on Jericho being, being on Quinn's?
0: Well, I had, I had nine people on my list, and now it's 10 because he's mentioned Jericho. He <laughs> <laughs> He hadn't even... He hadn't even sprung to mind which is bad but yeah 100 percent, you can't ah
1: yeah. sorry jay you made a list and jericho wasn't on it
0: <laughs> no ironic ah,
1: yeah ironic indeed okay so jericho is is our first name so this is good so i want to come over to you next then jay who right. who is your first name on the mount rushmore of professional wrestling for yourself
0: so if i were to, if I were to build one that would have to be different eras for me because you can't just have one but i understand that's what we're doing we're just having one and I'm, this guy's not on my list, but I just want to make a special mention that, realistically, Vince McMahon should be the first head on there. <laughs> for me, the first head that's got to go on is Ric Flair. Uh, Ooh! The great, the greatest, yeah, woo! The greatest woo heel in wrestling history. And the first bumper, I think, the first person to bring in actual bumping and selling And without without Ric Flair, I don't think you get half the heels that we have had in the past. You know, you can see bits of Ric Flair in some of the best works there's ever been, in Shawn Michaels, in in Eddie Guerrero, et cetera, et cetera. So Ric Flair's got to be the first head.
2: Great shout. Great shout.
1: Yeah, he, of course, was probably before I really watched it. I have gone back and watched Ric Flair stuff, and you can really get a sense of, Again, not to draw it too much like the football analogy, but he's kind of like that Pele, Maradona. He's done it early doors so that other people can then try and imitate him moving down the years. I think he will be on, I've got to say, 99% of people's Mount Rushmore's for definite.
0: Yeah. Same for me. Like I'm Obviously, a, it was before my time, really. I, I caught the end of it. But just looking at the history of wrestling, I think he's got to be
1: there. Definitely. Okay. So we've got Jericho for you, Quinn. We've got Ric Flair for you, Jay. So mine for, for this first week of the Mount Rushmore feature, it's just got to be one person and, and that is The Rock.
2: Oh, it's exciting, this, isn't it?
1: It's all different. He is the most electrifying man in all of entertainment <laughs> when I was growing up. So for me, it's, it's a very small time frame for The Rock. I... Didn't much like the stuff he did when he came back with Cena, but it's The Rock, so he, you know whatever. But yeah, that first pay per view I watched, uh, No Way Out, as I've mentioned on on previous episodes, uh, he was uh, in the in a match that night, I believe, against the Big Show, and it was because of the shenanigans that had happened at the Rumble. And from the year two thousand to I think two thousand and four, <laughs> when I kind of stopped watching, he was everywhere doing everything the the Iron Man match that he had with Triple H is one of my all-time favorite matches the promos that he used to do I think leading into the Armageddon Hell in a Cell where he just spoofed every single one of his opponents in 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 a row Uh, the stuff he used to do with Kevin Kelly and Michael Cole not not to mention the fact that he was an incredible wrestler as well and, and you genuinely felt jeopardy when he was getting beat down by people like DX or whoever it may be yeah, The Rock for me is—he's—he's uh, he's always going to be number one. I think in terms of when I think of wrestling, he's the guy that that really got me involved into it. I think so. Yeah, he, he makes the list for me this week. What are your
2: boys' thoughts on on Dwayne? I mean, no nobody's taken a Stone Cold Stoner quite like him since, have they? So, I think that is—is uh, up there. is up He's yeah, I think all three of our nominees, as it were, today deserve a rightful place on that on that mountain side, and you've.
0: The people's he is champion he's on my list of 10. Well, yeah he's the most charismatic i think talker there's ever been and no one can put nobody can insult someone like they're rock
1: you know he sang a christmas song to test once <laughs> he, did, he gave yeah. he gave eddie guerrero some uh mexican spoof song as well he was he was the goat and
0: oh, yeah. yeah i think a lot of him couldn't get away with now i don't think but uh, i think he called vicky guerrero a hooker once which
1: yeah, I think you probably did. <laughs> so they are our first picks for our wrestling Mount Rushmore. We've got the nature Boy Rick Flair, we've got Y2J Chris Jericho and we've got the people's champion the Rock. I'm looking forward to seeing who you boys pick next week and remember those three are now off the cards for each other moving forward. So elsewhere in wrestling this week I want to talk about AW revolution. The infamous pyro issues that happened Ooh. on this show. Do we have to? Well, it, it was quite an explosive evening all around, <laughs> I think it would be fair to say. And Ooh. the show itself was okay. I know that we all spoke a little bit about potentially staying up to watch this one live. Kind of glad I didn't in the end. There was a pretty fun tag team match that happened uh, that was sort of a Royal Rumble type style with tag teams, which I thought was interesting. There wasn't a lot else on the show that I was massively into. We obviously had the debut of Christian. He he was the new signing. So let's just go from the end and work our way backwards. Jay, the main event. What did you what? make of this?
0: Uh felt a bit flat for me. I did watch it back, but I just just as soon as they came out, I just thought have they got a budget for Barbed Wire? Because there wasn't a lot <laughs> 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 on the road. <laughs> To be honest, they didn't look that intimidating. And then it's just the slow start when they're like the Irish whipping in, into the ropes and they're like stopping like a cartoon, like, oh God, I can't, I can't. But, you know, it was, uh, it was just a bit hokey and I wasn't, I don't know, I wasn't that into it. I mean, I love both those guys. I love Moxley and Omega, but I don't, I, the referee and his PPE was a bit excessive and <laughs> I don't know. It just, eh, nah, meh. Meh. Okay.
1: Nah. No, no, that's fair enough. What about you, Quinn?
2: Yeah, to second a couple of points that Jamie made there, I think the, the Irish Whips definitely stood out for me. It took six minutes to even get even close to a rope. Um, it was that power struggle. I don't think they helped themselves with the vignette at the beginning about the where the origins of that match comes from. So the obviously the death matches that they have in Japan, that's where this the, the, the focus of this match had come from. And it kind of just made me think, oh my God, this is what this match is going to be like. And it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. Yeah, it just fell so flat. I think Jamie put that said it earlier, and I think he's completely right. I think for a main event, it fell flat, and and then it, the way it finished, which I'm sure you're going to go on to. Um...
1: <laughs> I, I don't want to sit here and shit on AEW. I think we no, speak,
2: not at all. Not we at speak all. a
1: lot about WWE, and it's obviously what we've all grown up with. AEW's new on the scene, and I think they're trying to do the right things. For me, I have a few issues with this match in general. I've never personally been a big fan of the ultra-violence matches. I don't know what purpose they really serve, other than genuinely you know, having the threat of shortening people's careers. I think with the, the exploding barbed wire death match, you, you're probably putting too many elements in there that you're having to live up to off the bat. I don't particularly mind the Irish whip thing because... The way I'm thinking about it is you would do everything to stop yourself hitting them ropes if they're going to blow up. But they didn't really blow up, did they? They didn't explode. They just sort of popped with a little bit of pyro. And yeah, landing on barbed wire and having to pick it out of your skin, uh, being handcuffed. I I was sat there throughout the whole match thinking, I wonder what JR is actually wondering about this match. Because he is... Such an old school wrestling guy, where he's he's so logical in terms of his booking and, and how things need to be done. And I know he's a great voice for AEW. I know that his voice on the night wasn't particularly up to scratch. He had, he had a few issues there, but oh, he's, he's so he really
2: struggle He really struggles, doesn't he? Because it's just not his thing. And he and he and he's doing best by the company by trying to put this match over in so many ways and. I love again that we use the term like you said, barbed wire explosion death match or whatever its official title was. It was probably more so some spiky objects, uh, a little bit of sparkles, slightly inconvenient match. There was no death about it, and and it was it did look like it was a real struggle for Jr. to put this match across. And it, it sound, I listen to it back. He he does the best of his ability. He really does, but it, it was hard.
0: And of all the things in the match, all those those elements, the barbed wire and the explosives the thing that got Moxley um caught so is he's he, well not legit obviously we know how they do it but was getting a bulldog well, well no
2: spoilers here uh, we don't ruin the illusion
0: oh sorry and uh, he got really badly cut open for real was from a bull, <laughs> was from a bulldog onto a, a trash can which i think we all know are the, are the least <laughs> effective things as weapons so that was that was interesting
1: Definitely. And then we we have a look at the end of the match. So the Good Brothers come out, they help Omega beat down Boxley. they handcuff him, and Omega retains. There was a stipulation within the match where after half an hour, if the bout hadn't been settled, the explosion would then be unstoppable. So you've got this kind of countdown uh, going on, this beatdown. Omega and the Good Brothers appear to flee the ring because of the explosion that's coming. And then... Like he would. Kingston meets them on the ramp, Eddie Kingston. And this is all sort of going quite well at this point, for for me, in terms of a a narrative. Kingston throws them to one side, gets in the ring. He's trying to get Moxley up to help him. And the clock's ticking. So he does the only thing that maybe maybe a good friend would. And, And he covers Moxley's body with his own to protect him. And then... The explosion happens, and there was a little bit of a flicker, a sparkle from each corner post, I believe, and and maybe uh, maybe a bang. I can't really remember it, such was its underwhelming nature. Do you remember, Jay, how the the explosion actually occurred?
0: Well, I I thought they'd made a second big signing and Gilbert was coming out, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, it, it was it was like one of those things, those sparkle things you put on the top of a birthday cake. It was very... Yeah, I thought somebody was walking out with a bottle of Grey Goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! And yeah, uh, it was it
2: for for me. It was how committed Eddie Kingston was to it. <laughs> like he mm. laid there for a good five minutes, protecting his brother, obviously protecting his good friend from what was about to come. And and obviously, it took a lot of doctors to come down and a lot of medical attention afterwards because. Maybe, just maybe, he, he got a slight singe from one of the sparklers or, yeah, it was a strange finish. Well,
1: I think the, the paramedics were there to deal with the overwhelming shame that they were both suffering. Because <laughs> I think you, you can you can probably die of embarrassment and uh, overall thoughts on the pay-per-view. So, uh, again, just prior to this match and, and going back a little bit, we had the, the, the debut of, of Christian. So I think, Jay, you might have called this last week as, as yeah. one of the potential signings. I know that me and you spoke about potentially Batista, Quinn, and uh, there was a few names thro- float, you know, floating around the ether, but it was, it was Christian Cage, as he was dubbed. How do we feel about this? Um,
0: I'm okay with it. Like I said, I've mentioned to you guys, Like obviously I would have loved the nostalgia of Edge and Christian get back together, but if this is his final run, which it's going to be, I can understand him wanting to step out of the limelight of Edge and uh, shadow of Edge, driver and wanting to do something on his own. And I like him and he's a great worker, like Jericho alluded to and Tony Khan. And um, and I listened to him on uh, Rene Pacat's podcast. I don't know if you two have YouTube, listened to it yet. And he, he said it wasn't really a, a tough decision. So I don't think there was a was a offer there from WWE as such. Um, but he also didn't inquire about one. But I think it was mainly down to the fact that it's not just going to be an in-ring role. It's, it's going to be helping talent. And I think what drew him to it was there's a lot more freedom in aow whereas you're not you know you're not under vince's puppet strings so to speak so i understand why he would have made that decision um and yeah it'd be interesting to see and he's going straight into a feud with kenny omega probably
1: yeah so this leads us nicely on to the episode of dynamite from this week when the christian and omega feud seems to be you know straight into it with these two i think on the back of moxley and Eddie Kingston's promo, which I know you were a big fan of this week.
2: I was, yeah. Was, I think it was a, a, an entertaining segment. And I think it. they, as I've mentioned to both of you, I, I think they took light in the ending of the Revolution uh, match of Revolution. They they made an, almost a joke of it. And it was kind of the fact that um, Omega couldn't rig an explosion and you know they came out alive and just tongue, very tongue in cheek. Uh, which I think is the the best thing they could have done. I've seen a couple of things. I know Taz came out to speak publicly about how things happen on a live show and things don't always go to plan and stuff. And it feels like a lot of the behind the scenes guys got very defensive about it, whereas Moxley and Eddie Kingston just took the approach that yeah, it was shit happened, and I think that was a that was a good way to approach that.
1: Yeah I think you can sometimes over explain things can't you and it can sometimes make it even worse. I, I enjoyed the promo I think they referenced you know Wiley Coyote being yes. <laughs> who yeah, they bought they did, the, yeah. the dynamite mm-hmm. from. So yeah it, it's it's interesting to to see what will happen with this cross promotion as well. So I know that it's maybe looking like Kingston and Moxie might might feud with the Good Brothers certainly for a couple of weeks or, or in the future. And it also mm-hmm. it also seems to be the case with the
2: Unification match
1: over on Impact that that might have some ramifications on AEW as well.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so just a bit of context: months, a few months ago, Moose brought back the TNA Heavyweight Championship, said that it was a prestigious title and it and it needed to have its place within Impact. Um, their current world champion is Rich Swan, <clears throat> um, and I know that they're having a unification match on Saturday at their next pay per view to unify the Impact World Championship. <laughs> and the TNA heavyweight championship uh, and then omega faces the winner uh, in a, a title v title match which will be uh, an interesting fallout i think it's be interesting to see what what direction they're trying to they're going to take that in
1: elsewhere on dynamite as well we had mjf splitting from the inner circle and forming his own faction this again was a segment that i watched <laughs> back just on youtube there was this war council meeting between the inner circle on the back of them losing the title match against the young Bucks at revolution. And there was some suggestion that maybe Jericho was going to kick out one of the members of the inner circle. We weren't quite sure where it was going. And and what happened was MJF had been sinisterly plotting to create his own faction in the background. And yeah, the people involved with this then. So Quinn, we had FTR, I believe. FTR.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Formerly the revival. And Wardlow, which is mm-hmm. almost like MGF's bodyguard, isn't he? He's the, he's the diesel to Shawn Michaels, as you were. Uh, <laughs> Jamie's not a fan of Wardlow as a name. <laughs> <laughs> name. Wardlow. Um, and then Sean Spears, which I think has been massively underutilized since he signed with AEW. I don't know if you, you guys remember much of, I know Jamie does, but, yourself, but I don't know if you've ever watched much of Ty Dillinger back in NXT. Great talent. Really, really good in-ring performer. And I just feel like, again, he's he's been... I think he had a couple of good matches in the early days of AEW, but he's just sort of sat on the sidelines. So hopefully with this formation of this new stable, we might see some, some great talent used properly. Yeah, certainly. I think... I did feel like while watching this segment,
1: there was a lot of people in the ring at once... There's quite a lot of things going on on AEW, maybe a little bit too much sometimes. I don't know if you're sometimes better served by just having, uh, you know, less is more is probably <clears> what I'm getting at. I think I watched the tag team bout and obviously that is supposed to be a multi-man match, but it was, it was a lot of things at once to digest as, as maybe a casual viewer. Do you boys get that at all with AEW, that maybe there's many, too many moving parts too often?
2: I think I mentioned this whilst we were watching Revolution, I think it took for that Battle Royale tag match for me to realise how much talent that that company has. And I know we we think this with, a, um, with WWE, that there's a lot of talent and it's very saturated and nobody gets the right time. But I think AEW is going the same way. They're kind of like trying to sign all these guys up because they're, they're talented guys, but they're, there's nothing for them. So they create stuff for them and it just gets a bit i can't think of the right words but it, it you're right in saying that revolution felt like there was a lot going on a lot
0: there's a lot of factions isn't there already they have got a lot of groups so it wouldn't surprise me if we see a six-man tag team championship coming to aw very quickly because there's so many factions yeah yeah big,
1: for big factions as well so I, I think in that that tag team battle royal match alone the Dark Order had three separate teams come in.
2: They did, yeah. And I think, is it the, the Natural Nightmares, which are like an extension of Cody's family? I think they had two or three teams in it as well. I think, yeah. so I think you're right. I think there's these big, big factions, yeah.
1: And then, of course, you've got Omega with, with the Good Brothers. I, you know, I, I'd be very interested to see a, a three-man tag team title, uh, certainly, because that's something that I've not really
2: been used to seeing very often. Is it, is it Ring of Honor that has that title? Is that where that comes from? And did Japan have one as well? No, I think it is just Ring of Honor, isn't it? But that work that utilises it really well. They utilise it really well. And I think it's as prestigious as just having a tag title. I think it's... Uh, and I think with the right amount of factions and the right amount of talent, it, is a, it would be a good title to introduce. So, it's a, it's a little drop in the ocean
1: that, that might turn into a two-hour rant because we're going to give the floor now to our very own <laughs> Jamie Cairns to talk about Monday Night Raw. So... <laughs> Jay, I know you've got some strong opinions on this, so take it away, brother.
0: Right, so I've written down all the matches, but, I mean, at the top of my page, I've got Raw, Arrow, Shite. <laughs> <laughs> so the first match was Lashley v Drew, uh, Miz, squashed, obviously. And then we get a little look at Drew and Sheamus. We're probably looking at Drew or going to be facing Lashley, because Drew was watching on, and they're obviously having a rivalry. Um, and then we got to Shane... And Braun Strowman. Strowman wants an apology. I didn't really see the first part of the promo. I think Strowman's backtracking and saying, I demand an apology. And then he goes, but you're my boss. And then, so it doesn't make sense. He's like like threatening him, but he can't. And then they get another promo later on. And it was five minutes long. (laughs) Shane McMahon keeps checking his mic, even though it's working. He's tapping it and you can hear that it's working. (laughs) And he's talking into it, he's working. So I don't know what he's doing. And then he walks out the ring goes to the top of the ramp and goes, I need to talk to you face to face, even though he's left the ring. <laughs> it, was, it was so weird. It was five minutes and it. I thought I was having a stroke. What? <laughs> but Shane might've been, I don't know if he forgot his lines because he goes back down and, and, and Strowman says something and then Shane says it. So it's like he was reminding him. I don't know if Shane's a heel. It's, it was fucking awful. And, and then St- Shane pretends to leave in a car, and Strowman chases him, and then Shane pops up again, and he's like, "Stupid." And so he kept using the word "abhorrent" and just used it like four times. I think that was the only word he could remember from his script. <laughs> and then be Drew in a no contest in a no holds barred match. Is that possible? Yeah, apparently so, because they hit each other with stairs or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, they ran into each other with a set of stairs each, didn't they?
0: Yeah, and then we had AJ v Orton and Orton coughing up stuff again. And we had Woods v Shot on Benjamin, in a throwaway match. Um, Riddle v Dick Slap. And then we had <laughs> tag team titles match. And then the big Raw debut of Reginald.
1: Yeah, so I know you're keen to to bring on to this. So I, just for any listeners who haven't seen Raw yet, I mean, definitely... Do check it out on the back of this review that Jay's given. It sounds like a real roller coaster of a night. Uh yeah, Reginald's been seemingly dumped by the girls on SmackDown, which just as a you know a small reminder, thank God. But he now appears to be dipping his his oar in the the raw pond. What what was his involvement on Raw? Because I'm gonna be honest, didn't watch Raw this week.
2: I mean, I'm sure it's something to do with this new love interest angle that they're working towards with um, Nia Jax and Reginald. Thank God that they've pinned him off in the SmackDown women's division, because I was dreading the fact that we were going into Mania and watching Sasha uh, Banks v Bianca Belair, and Reginald was it was gonna be Reginald in each corner. I don't know what I was expecting with that at all. <laughs> But I'm just I'm hoping to God that that's that done. That let those two be those two now going forward, uh, and yeah, Reginald appeared on Raw and was carried out by Nia Jax for for some reason or another.
1: More black tar, more Reginald, less for us to talk about. I think so. Are you boys? Are you boys just up for a bit of a, a pact now? If we form this and just say that we're going to boycott discussing Raw until it gives us something worthwhile.
2: I'm the only thing I'm really interested in Raw going forward is is seeing when they're gonna bring back Wyatt, because obviously it's been almost two months, if not two months and longer, since he was burnt to death in the middle of the ring. Um, and it's just all been bliss, hasn't it? So it'd be interesting to see how they get that match into Mania and when when they actually bring back The Fiend. That's, that's the only thing I think I will bob my head in and out over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think why it will probably show up. Maybe not this coming Monday, but probably one after. Uh, other than that, there's nothing else on the show that interests me at all. Yeah, just, the Raw Tag Team Champions aren't seeing the riddles just having a throwaway rivalry with Ali and it's just... It's Asuka's injured, um, so we don't even know what's going on with the Raw women's title.
2: Charlotte um, has challenged
0: her though, hasn't she? think so yeah but then Peyton Royce had that little thing on Raw Talk challenging her which I thought was interesting
2: that could be a decent triple threat
0: yeah uh and coming back to Reginald one more time I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the Andre the Giant Battle Royal
2: that's
0: my pick right now for the winner I'm saying it oh
2: I'd never watch I'd never watch it again, I never watch it again.
1: Okay, so Monday Night Raw failing to inspire us for a second week. But Friday Night Smackdown seems to be a little bit better. We should note that we are recording this episode of Fresh on the Heels on Friday. So prior to Smackdown coming out, this will be released on Monday. So we could only really speculate as to what might happen. Got to come over to you first, Jay. Is there anything that you'd like to see happen on Smackdown tonight or anything that you've seen that that might spark your interest to watch it? Well, I think we're getting the...
0: We're getting Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan contract signing. I think that's, uh, I don't know if that's going to open or close the show, but I know that's the only thing advertised so far. Hopefully the return of Big E, um, since he got his head crushed by the stairs by Apollo. What I'd really like to see is the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. <laughs> <laughs> because it's been two weeks and we're yet to see the Dirty Dogs. And it's Mania season, so that's what I want to see, personally.
1: What about you, Quinn?
2: Uh, yeah, I'd like to see the return of Big E. Also, I also want to know what direction the Dirty Dogs will be taken. I think it's going to be something linked to the Street Profits. Maybe an open, maybe an open challenge. Maybe it'll be a multi-man um, match, including the likes of the Mysterios and Gable and Otis. There we go. He's that forgettable. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it, really. Yeah, I think.
1: SmackDown tonight is going to be an interesting one. Uh, we we are sort of in that weird period between the the last event and and Fastlane. Fastlane seems to be a little bit of a in the way, really, of of what they could be doing for Mania. I, I'd much rather see that pay per view done away with completely and just have a longer build towards the bigger show. Uh, but very excited to see Bryan and Reigns ultimately at that event. I, contract signings have always been a bit of a a contentious point for me, I don't really know what the purpose of them is, you don't sign a contract for every single title match that you have so why do they only do it occasionally for some, yeah I think Brian Antelli telly, Rain's still doing his thing, you might see a little bit of edge but I think they might save him for fast lane. so we will definitely report back on next week's episode about the Friday Night Smackdown that has, is going to be happening on the 12th and it'll be interesting to see what the outcome of that is but it is now time, chaps, for the most exciting part of the show. It is the second round of professional guessler. Yay! So it was a whitewash last week. Jay absolutely destroyed the competition in a squash, 3 0 victory over Mate, the... I'm, going,
0: I'm going, I'm going for a Goldberg record on this one. <laughs>
2: Quinn, how do you feel
1: about those words? That's some fighting talk. I mean,
0: I'll
2: be, I'll be happy if I can get
0: one. I'll, I'll be furious if he gets one. <laughs> <laughs> if he gets one, I'm going to the rival show. I'll find him.
1: <laughs> it's funny, really. So when me and Quinn were talking about who the third member of our faction could be, it was a toss-up between my 14-year-old nephew, who would have been less competition, but he wanted to invite fucking Rain Man onto the show <laughs> Uh, And this is why Professional Gessler is so interesting because it's now you getting your penance, Quinn, for inviting the Encyclopedia of Knowledge that is Jamie Cairns onto the show. So I hope you enjoy this next few minutes of, of this and we'll see what you can do. So just as a reminder, after each clue is read, you can buzz in once. If you get the answer correct, you win the round. If you get it wrong, then you can't guess again until the next clue has been read. So you do open it up for your opponent in that regard. Remember that your buzzers are going to be different each week. So, Jay, this week, I'd like your buzzer to be the William Regal soundbite of... Ooh, me nipple! (laughs) So can you just test your buzzer for me on three? One, two, three. Ooh, me nipple! Very nice. And Quinn, yours this week is going to be Vince McMahon's Such Good Shit. One, two, three. Such good shit. Lovely. Okay, so if you know the answer, buzz in. If you don't, you can let it go. Uh, there are around six clues for each question. A fast game is a good game. And remember to actually try this week, Quinn, because it makes better audience. Okay, question number one for this week's professional guest list. I was trained by Dean Malenko and Dave Finley and debuted in WCW in 1999 as part of Team Madness. Okay. okay. I've competed in two Royal Rumble matches, but have only one elimination to my name. This is hard. I've had some eventful WrestleMania appearances, including winning and losing the hardcore title in the same night and competing in a hair versus hair match.
2: Such good shit. Oh, Quinn's come in. Go ahead. Oh. Um, okay, is, is it Molly Holly? Oh,
1: fuck it. I won my first major title at King of the Ring in 2002. Oh, at Survivor <laughs> Series, I faced off against a team of Test, Albert, and Trish Stratus. And I have formerly been affiliated with William Regal, Spike Dudley, and Hurricane Helms. It was Molly oh. Holly. Oh, fucking get in. The glove has been laid on our <laughs> reigning
0: champion. Yeah. I knew, I knew it was going to be female because I know um, Dean Malenko and Finlay train females but I just could not think who well,
1: that's some good knowledge there Jay I like that because I wasn't yeah. aware that those two
0: yeah Finley games. Finley's like the main producer for all the women's matches in in WWE I think oh well, he was before he's let go well done well
1: done Quinn well done Quinn yeah if you say it yourself I don't think it holds as much credence I but I
2: don't think it does either
1: <laughs> okay so this is uh clue number two and and let's um let's just get this right if, if Quinn gets this one right He actually wins week two of Professional Gessler, so this is all to play for, really. Okay, clue number one, lads. I was born in May 1961 in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm a former Intercontinental and Tag Team Champion. I was involved in the main event of WrestleMania eight. I was reportedly due to sign for WCW and join the NWO, but learned this spot was taken by Virgil instead after watching an episode of Monday Night Nitro with my wife. No (laughs) guesses? Okay, next clue. I was signed to the WWF after being recommended by my friend, The Undertaker. Final clue. I have been heavily involved in factions throughout my career, such as the million dollar corporation, the nation of domination, and the right to oh, such good shit. That's such good
2: shit. Such good shit. Oh, I think Queen got in there first. Yeah. Is it? Is it Savio Vega?
1: Savio Vega. That's what he Vega.
2: said. Oh, for fuck's sake! Eh? So yeah.
1: Savio Vega is is incorrect. So that opens it up now for Jamie Cairns to tie the game at one all. Let me know what it is.
0: Um What were the titles he'd won? Sorry, <laughs> I can't. <be> reading these <laughs> <clues back. laughs> the Nation of Domination and the Ministry <laughs> of Defence. Do you say?
1: Again, I'm not reading these clues twice, Jay. This is a this is a, a shambles from our reigning champion.
0: Okay, I'm I'm going to go for the Godfather.
1: The Godfather is correct. So it was the Million Dollar Corporation, the Nation of Domination, and the Right Centre...
2: Right to censor, I didn't hear that bit. I didn't hear that bit, I'd have guessed it. It was a race for that
1: buzzer at the very end there. But yeah, right to censor was the big clue. So yeah, it was the godfather, the the owner of the Ho train. Okay, so this is the decider, boys. This is the third and final professional guestler. I wrestled for the Raw Tag Team titles at Fastlane in 2019. As well as WWE, I've also wrestled in New Japan and Dragon Gate. Omni um, nipple. Omni oh, nipple. Go ahead. Is
0: it Nakamura?
1: Nakamura is incorrect. <sighs> okay. When would you like to have a guess at this point, or do you want the next clue? I'd like the next clue. <laughs> Bottle job. I'm a previous <laughs> winner of the Best of the Super Juniors tournament. I was the inaugural and first ever two-time Lucha Underground champion. In October 2019, I was part of Team Hogan for the Crown Jewel pay per view. me Nipple. Hold me Nipple, Jay. John Morrison. John Morrison is incorrect. Not me.
2: Is it Finn Balor?
1: Finn Balor is incorrect. Oh! Final clue for this one. In the 2021 Royal Rumble, I was eliminated by Kane. Omi oh nipple. Omi oh nipple. Go on, Jay.
0: Is it Reginald?
1: <laughs> it's not Reginald. Damn Quinn, it. this is, is, it, is your this is your chance. It's got it's got to be the right answer here, Quinn. Is is it Ricochet? Ricochet is correct.
2: <laughs> Fuck you, Kevin!
1: Two one <laughs> to Quinn. No googling, that is huh? all tied. Great googling. Some some trash talk. Going no, on. it
2: was it, it was. Uh, uh, Prince Puma wasn't he in yeah. um, in uh, Lucha Underground?
1: He was, yeah. So we've had Molly Holly, who is getting inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, and rightly so. We had The Godfather, who I believe is already in the Hall of Fame, and uh, a bit of a bit of a cult hero in in wrestling. And then we had Ricochet, who is scantly seen on TV these days. Uh, we, we hope to see him a
2: bit more frequently soon. So two one to Quinn. How are you feeling, Quinn? Ooh, it was a. I, I feel good. I feel elevated. I feel on top of the world. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can get that again next week.
1: Definitely. Jay, I'm going to have to use one word to describe that, mate. Abhorrent. <laughs> <laughs> there were some good guesses, though. I enjoyed the, the involvement this week. It was much better than than last week. Nice buzzing in and some, some lovely use of the word nipple and shit. So that is all we've got time for this week chaps it's been a pleasure again discussing the world of wrestling with you we look forward to next week's show if you do want to get in touch as always on instagram it's at fresh on the heels on twitter at fresh on the heels and yeah just um any any support you can give to the show by giving us a listen recommending us to your friends uh please do it's, it's always good to get the support and, and we're doing this just as a labor of love really so any final words before we leave jay
0: uh, no, I can't speak after my last. <laughs> Quid?
2: I just—I'll uh, probably do this every week. I just want to thank the people that are engaging, uh, the followers we already have, the listeners we already have, and just—I uh, hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy doing it. Perfect. See you next week, boys. Take care. Good